Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. I am Mitch Michaels, and this is a sports podcast. We cover a wide range of topics. It is August 22nd, and we have college football this weekend. I'm going to talk to my old running mate, gambling aficionado, Kent Brown, about what he thinks of Week Zero, Miami and Florida. That's a big first game to start the season. Miami's quarterback situation, Florida's revamped line, Florida's preseason top 10. Can Miami make it close? Can they even win the game? Is that a possibility? We break all that down as well as the Arizona-Hawaii late-night game, the AP poll, and some of our favorite future bets. Then I'm going to talk to Joe Crisali about the MLB season with about one month left in it. We'll see if there's any big waiver moves coming up who's prime for another postseason run and we also talk on the nfl just a little bit got to bring up antonio brown and hard knocks of course but it's joe Crisali, kent brown on the money mitch effect let's start the show all right we found him running uh running somewhere underground illegally the uh gambling guru Somewhere, someone's looking for him, and they won't find him. It's Kent Brown here on the Money Mitch Effect to talk college football. Kent, uh, thanks for joining the show and taking some time. Yeah, it's finally here. You have football season, Miami, Florida, Sunshine State showdown in August. It's not you know a September or October, November matchup. It's the Gators and the Hurricanes kicking off week zero, as we call it. And I'm pumped because it's my alma mater, and not to mention it's you know, two relatively marquee programs from our entire lifetime. If you had to kind of rate maybe the top six or top seven programs, there's not too many of them that have won multiple national championships, and these are two of those programs. So I'm glad they're back playing. It looks like they're going to, you know, add a couple more games in a couple years to the series home and home. But I'm excited, but I'm also a little bit nervous because new coach, new quarterback, new offensive line. There's definitely some questions. Yeah, I want to get into that game first. It's uh, it's also kind of a breath of fresh air recently. I mean, you could probably know more than I would. This is probably the best Week Zero game we've had in a while. Yeah, a lot of times the Week Zero, there might be like one barely ranked team or one Power 5 team that plays like a Mountain West school or Sunbelt school. But it's very rare that you see two marquee national brand and the reason is this is the 150th anniversary of college football espn all fall will be putting out a bunch of shows and content and videos promoting the 150th year so this game was originally set for labor day weekend next week and espn did convincing you know because it's a neutral site it's a little bit easier to get these schools to convince and sign off on this and they pushed it up a week and really made this their marquee game they're gonna have college game day on location at Disney World, then you're going to head over to the old Citrus Bowl, now Camping World Stadium. So, yeah, it's definitely the biggest of these Week Zero games in a long time. Well, Kent, let's start with uh, the team you're not pulling for this weekend, the Florida Gators, who last year had uh, an interesting season. It seemed like they won a lot of games that people were counting them out for, but at times kind of lulled. They're in the top ten this year in the AP poll that came out, which we'll dive into a little later, but number eight, in the preseason AP poll, some big thoughts here. Dan Mullen's second season for the Gators. That team offensively really found their groove late. The Michigan game was uh, as good of an offensive game they played all season. A lot of returning players. You buying the hype of the, Ga- of the Gators as a top 10 team? I mean, I think a lot of people would think that's a little further along than many would have thought in year two for Mullen. 
I have them in my preseason top 10, but I can get why some people wouldn't. I'm not necessarily convinced that they're going to be a real threat for the playoff. But when you look at it, you know, if, it, if not them, then is it a Washington, a Utah, A&M, Oregon, Auburn, those type of teams? I'm not necessarily sure any of those teams are better than Florida, but they have questions. You mentioned the offensive line, mm-hmm. or I mentioned the O-line about Miami being an issue. Florida has the same issue. They had several offensive linemen drafted and graduated from the program. They have to replace those guys. And we understand Dan Mullen's a great quarterbacks coach. He did a good job with Felipe Franks last year. The Gators have, they always have talent on the outside with receivers and then running backs. Defensively, they lost arguably their three best defensive players. And that's a big deal. Now, they still have some really good corners and a lot of talent. But this is not a Florida team that's recruited the way Urban Meyer did last decade. If you look at just the talent alone of these two teams, Miami has the better recruiting talent and probably a bit more depth than Florida has. But the difference is Dan Mullen proved himself at Mississippi State as a head coach. Manny Diaz, this is his first rodeo as a head coach. He's been a proven defensive coordinator, but we don't know quite how he'll be as a head coach. Danny Enos is running the show on offense, came over from Alabama last year where he was the quarterback's coach, wasn't calling the plays. That's a mystery. So there's a lot of questions for both sides. But with, I think Felipe Frank's worst case, Mitch, he'll be yeah. as good as he was last year. It's and still, as long as he's yeah. around where he was last year, I don't see him all and gets productivity out of his quarterback. I can't imagine that he doesn't improve, that he probably – isn't one of the best five or six quarterbacks in the SEC. I don't think I don't I don't look at him as an all-American or somebody that will challenge for any sort of Heisman hype. But in this game, if he's the best quarterback on Saturday night in Orlando, pretty good chance Florida wins that game. So I think if you're the Gators, you feel pretty good because you've been there, you've done that with him. You saw him last year beat an LSU. You saw him go and beat Michigan in their game in their bowl game even though that was a Michigan team without Devin Bush and Rashawn Gary you know what he still beat them he had to go out and still Mm -hmm. beat a decent team so we've seen it from him so when it comes to just the pure am I buying in the Florida as a whole I'll buy into them right about where they're ranked I think that they're a competitor with Georgia and the SEC East I wouldn't pick them to win the East but if anybody is going to go and beat the Bulldogs and get to Atlanta for the SEC title game I would think Florida has the best chance of all those other teams. Yeah, I mean, they finished 10-3 and three last year winning their bowl game. Uh, if they, I mean, the way the rankings are and the way the SEC is, is depth-wise at the top, two, three losses, that could very well finish as a top-10 team. I do agree with you. I think if Franks is, a, uh, is the better quarterback on the field by a significant margin, I think Florida is going to win, and it should be comfortable if that's the case. The linemen having to step in, it's a big deal, not just because – as always is the case when you have to replace players that go pro and move on. But Florida's a power team, Kent. We've seen them. We've seen how they grind out offensive possessions. So these linemen have to step in and take on a pretty big role. Defensively, they were a good team. I mean, it's going to it's gonna flip to the other side because Miami is coming in with, as you said, a lot of recruiting talent. Manny Diaz couldn't run to the job fast enough. He basically dropped everything he was doing to take this head coaching job. Sorry, Temple. But at the end yeah, of the day, see you later to Philadelphia. Very quickly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he basically put another crack in the Liberty Bell. That's what he thinks of Philly. But he's back at Miami. He is taking his dream job, and he made that decision that I'm going to get your opinion on now. Jaron Williams, the starting quarterback, 
A lot of people thought it might be Martell. They were wrong. You you yeah, look, cover Martell this team, and I know you're I know you're a fan of Miami, and you have your your pulse on this one. But I know you were also one of the people that wasn't buying Martell was going to be handed the job right when he showed up. Well, of course not. It would have been a really bad sign for the Hurricanes if they just gave him the job because it's not like he was even remotely established. Where look, like this week, Jalen Hurts was named the Oklahoma quarterback. Justin Fields for your Ohio State Buckeyes were named. The difference is Fields wasn't. He hasn't proven himself either, but Jalen Hurts did. There's certain quarterbacks that transfer in, and you're pretty confident. Like, okay, this guy has proven himself. Like Joe Burrow last year at Ohio State and LSU, people kind of got, okay, well, this guy's done a little bit, so maybe he'll have a chance. Tate Martell really didn't do much. Ohio State brought him in as, like, uh, kind of change of pace, short yardage quarterback at times, and he was certainly not proven as a passer. The Kosey Perry was suspended multiple times. So he was a guy who was somewhat of a liability, but they liked at least, you know, his arm talent and his height and hopefully him gaining more experience. Uh And then there was Jaron Williams. Jaron Williams was a highly touted kid coming out of the state of Georgia, decommitted from Kentucky two cycles ago, ended up at the Hurricanes, redshirted last year, but he's a mystery. But the one thing that Miami liked about him was the fact that he's dual threat. He can run the football. He can pass the football. He apparently – you know, clearly was the best passer of the three in fall camp. And yeah. for the Hurricanes, they maybe could have rolled the dice and risked going with a Martell or risk going with Perry if they were playing FIU to start the season or some team that's, you know, kind of not that's, a great out-of-conference opponent. But for Florida, you need to put the guy on the field that will win you that game. And if maybe six weeks from now he's not your guy, worry about it then. But you have to find a way to win this game. And the one thing Miami has just gotten itself in trouble with, and I don't know if Martell would have helped this out at all, I don't think he would have, is they turned the ball over on offense a ton. And you need to go with the guy that's going to, worst case, help field position, not give Florida a short field, not fumble the ball, not throw an interception. Uh, And if Jaron Williams is that guy, great. I don't expect him to put up you know, 35 touchdowns or probably even 30 touchdowns this year. But the weapons around him, Mitch, are really good. Jeff Thomas came back. Harley's back. Uh, They have two tight ends who they love. Uh, I would say the running backs around him are very good. And, you know, most of them were five or four-star talent players coming out of high school. There's a ton of skill position guys that he can get the ball to that will make plays. Mark Pope's another one. And for Jaron Williams, it's exciting because – much probably like how Florida looked at Felipe Franks last year is let's let's see what this guy's made of and hopefully he's your guy for the full year and we'll find out. It's gonna be a very quick in terms of learning curve. If he shows up and he plays well in the Florida game, I don't see why he would then all of a sudden not play well for the next four or six games. Yeah. But if he struggles, then you have to reassess things. But I'm excited to see what he can do. And I am as well. I love that, by all accounts, he earned the position. And all the quarterbacks you mentioned prior, Kent, Hurts, Fields, Burrow last year, they competed, and and they had to earn those jobs. I mean, there's a reason why Lincoln Riley didn't name Jalen Hurts the quarterback right when he stepped foot on campus. So I don't know well, what's... Think about how fascinating this is. If you look at transfer <laughs> yeah. quarterbacks, you There's have... so many in so the, the top, top ten. Five. Like, yeah, exactly. I know where you're going with this. Well, it's insane. Yeah, the top five teams in the country right now are Clemson 1, Alabama 2, Georgia 3, Ohio State 4, Oklahoma 5. 
you have the number five team in Oklahoma used to be the starting quarterback for number two. Uh, you have the number three team in the country now has a guy who left to be the quarterback and I think 13 Washington. Yeah, you got Fromm's just fighting off five, Fromm's just fighting off five stars like he's freaking Luke Skywalker. <laughs> yeah, and then you have Kelly Bryant who's on a good Mizzou team that's gone. Brandon Wimbush is on a ranked UCF team and Ian Book's there. There are so many transfer quarterbacks that are legit, like Northwestern's ranked in the coaches poll. Their most likely starting quarterback will be Hunter Johnson who left Clemson last year before the season. So there are all types of guys that are kind of intertwined in this preseason top 25 that used to play for another program. And you can get cleared immediately. So that's, that's, I mean, it just, you know, it doesn't matter where we'll, that's why I was wondering where Martell will, will be, if he's going to stick it out, if he's going to embrace trying to compete or if he's going to try to move again, but I hope he does. I'd like to see him stay because I I mean, yeah, he is, but you hear things about whether he's willing to compete and whether he thought this job was handed to him, and, and you don't know. But I, I hope he stays too. Gives Miami something to consider. Ken, while we wrap this up, I know we're we're both betting men on occasion. I think. Um, oh yeah. As was our boy Matt Gothard, who's who's not with us now. I mean, he's here. He's alive. He's just not with <laughs> yeah. us. No, I, th- yeah, I mean, I don't know. That. We're recording. <laughs> we're recording this. I don't know what's happened in the last couple of twenty four hours, but. But anyway, this game, the first one we can get our gambling fix on. And uh, as I see right now, I'm looking at seven for Florida. We could say seven, seven and a half in the over-under, depending on where you look at it, is around 50, between 50 and 47 and a half. What bets do you like going uh, off of that and going into this weekend? Yeah, so it started at 50. It's now worked down to 47 or 47 and a half. And Miami, you can comfortably find the seven and a half out there. I like Miami with the points. I, I would probably lean towards saying Florida wins the game, but I don't see why with Miami's defense, and they're loaded defensively with a ton of talent, a lot of returning starters, uh, and frankly I think a couple guys that weren't starters that will be better than the previous ones. They should be able to keep this. I think now it's also hard to say week one. Over-unders you got to really feel good about week one to really take that gamble, but I would – I think the trend is going down for a reason, meaning it's 50 to now 47. I would think this is a game where if you can get 30 points, you're probably the victor. Now, if there's multiple turnovers, that changes the game. But for Florida, I think right now if you told Dan Mullen, you score 27, he would feel pretty good about it. And if you told Manny Diaz, you score 27, he'd feel good about it. So that kind of makes me seem like it's going to be a game in that – you know, 26, 20, maybe 24, 21 sort of range. So it's slightly under. But if I had to just take any bet out of this, I would lean towards Miami plus seven and a half because I do expect them to play pretty well. And I might even go look at the first half line, which will probably be right around four, and maybe take the Hurricanes plus four points for the first half or if you can get it at four and a half because I do think – it'll at least be close for a while. And maybe if it falls apart late, you at least have that first half line where you made some money. Sound advice. We'll see uh, if that is the case. I think this game, and, and I'm with you, I'm torn between, I think I, I think Miami points is the play. I don't really like the over-under on this game. Four to money line is, is where I'm leading, but I do think this is going to be a close game. So we'll see. Week one over-unders, it's tough. But uh, And here's the other positive is if you lose your bet or bets in this game, 
you go quickly right after this game's oh. over on CBS Sports Network. Mm-hmm. You have Hawaii hosting yep. Arizona, Khalil Tate, Cole McDonald, oh, two boy. of the more fun quarterbacks to watch. So I, there's a <laughs> lot of possibilities for you to throw some late money into the Aloha State you... and try to regain your, your, your lose back if you happen to fall on one or two bets. You say throw late money in the Aloha State. I feel like we've uh, we've seen this movie before. Yeah, you say if you lose your bets, you say enough's enough. It's time for a change, and you go to the second game of the night. Also, I kind of feel like in that one, maybe if you really want to do a two-team, you know, I love my two-team teasers, tease Miami up to 14.5, tease Hawaii up to 18. They're currently 11-point underdog. And I don't feel like Arizona's winning by three touchdowns. And I don't feel like Florida's winning by more than two touchdowns. So kind of take the teams. Neither of them are on the road. Miami's neutral. Hawaii's at home. So, you know, at some points you'll have 18 in one game and 14 and a half in the other. You can sit back and hopefully root for competitive close mm-hmm. football. Ken Brown here on the Money Mitch Effect talking week zero. I would, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I'm going to be watching both of these games. Being on the West Coast is great. And, and the tour championship, the final tour event championship. The we'll get to golf in a second. Hold on one second. Hold on. I was okay, just going to say, okay. the biggest news of the day was that Hawaii is going to be streaming seven of their games on Facebook. I mean, that's incredible for everybody that wants to just lose all their money. Amazing, amazing. Uh, this is what I hoped media would evolve to. Something for us degenerates. Well, I mean, I know they already have deep fakes now, which you've been a big <laughs> fan of on the internet okay, but, all right. you know I, I mean the, the amount of text that you've been sending me about that that's your favorite invention of the internet this past year but yeah facebook hawaii is not bad as well <laughs> all right um for the for the benefit of this gag and not getting banned from soundcloud uh maybe i just wanted to put a browns player's face on uh, somebody winning something but that's where we're going to end the. That's where we're going to end the deep fake conversation, um, and then we're going to move along to. Uh, yeah, my favorite bets in this game are that over. I, I love it. I know it's rising and it's at like seventy four right now, but I don't care. I'm going to go over in this one. Yeah, part of me, part of me almost thinks in these type of games, it's one of two things, and I kind of think because everybody's talking this game up as like it's clearly going to go over that it might be one of those games that's like there's six minutes left in the second quarter and it's seven to three and you're just like, what the heck are we doing? Or there's six minutes left in the first quarter and it's 21-20. It's probably either a game where it's going to be like 100 total points or it's going to be like 45. I don't really think there's any in between. So I kind of actually think it will go under just because I'm going to play devil's advocate and feel like usually when it looks too good to be true, there's a reason. And so I would slightly again i like hawaii with the points but i would kind of lean towards that under a little bit if i had to take one or the other but if i don't bet it which right now i haven't then i want the over because i just want to see a lot of points kent um that was that was great advice very very methodical and your knowledge of if it looks too good to be true it probably is firsthand just from the stories you've told me totally understand why you still believe that you always always want to check for the adam's apple (laughs) Gosh, uh, man, there's no decorum here. Just when I thought we were going to move to Fox on Friday nights, I don't think that deal is going to go through now. We're not mainstream enough. All right. Uh, Anyway, the AP Top 25 poll is out, as I mentioned. That's a good segue into some thoughts on the rankings and our future bets here on the Money Mitch Effect. Kent, for the first time, Clemson 
getting that number one spot in the AP ranking. Alabama is second. Those two teams are neck and neck. And you, and you mentioned the other top five, Georgia, Oklahoma, and Ohio State. But how about the bet you put me on to from uh, the offseason, the book that we won't say the name of because we don't want to advertise on here, but the collective over-under of losses, one and a half for Bama and Clemson. Very fascinating. Have you been marinating yeah. on this one? Yeah, and it actually has changed a little bit. When it first came out, so it opened, and it's different than what it currently is, which you know I think makes sense. So it opened, the over was minus 130, and the under was plus money. So if you bet under one and a half combined losses, you had plus money. Now it's switched where the under is minus 130, and the over is even or even slightly plus 105. So it's now changed. That means a lot of people – have been buying into Alabama and Clemson. And, again, what this bet means is their regular season games, not their championship game, not the bowl games. Will Clemson after 12 games and will Alabama after 12 games have two combined losses mm. or will it be one or less? I think it'll be one. I guess – I'll say this. I think two is more likely than zero, but I would think Alabama trips up once, Clemson doesn't trip up at all. But we're going to find out. But, yeah, I love that bet because – it's just a fun one, and it shows how dominant these two programs have become where you know they're kind of removed from the rest of the entire nation. And, I mean, think about it. If you just say, yeah, they'll both trip up once, all of a sudden now you get plus odds to bet that. That's, that's wild. I mean, these two teams are so good. Uh, it is an arms race of recruiting and talent, and they are so far ahead of everybody else right now, as has been the case in the playoff picture. But we know that anything can happen. We know that there's some other teams that have been getting some slight pull for maybe making a run. Georgia's firmly in that three spot, both in the ranking and in the betting world. They're about plus 650 or so right now. And then that's pretty much it for the under 10 to 1 odds. You have Ohio State and, and Oklahoma with some feelers out there. But I think the real fun, Kent, is betting how these teams are going to do in conference because I think that's where the smart bettors can make some real money. Yeah, exactly. The odds are, sli- are slightly better, especially if you look for a team that's maybe a middle-of-the-pack team in a conference that you think can win its side of a division, and then they're one win away from getting that conference crown. There are some good value picks. Like I look at Syracuse at 25-1 to in the ACC. As weird as it sounds, if Syracuse last year closed that game, remember, that's yeah. the week that Kelly Bryant left, that Trevor Lawrence got hurt, and then their third-string quarterback came in and rescued them, completed a fourth-down pass late. Uh, if that doesn't happen, and now, of course, Syracuse then would have had the target on its chest the rest of the season, mm-hmm. but Syracuse had the entire rest of the season played out the way it did, the ACC title game would have been Syracuse in a rematch against Pitt in which they lost that first game. Clemson maybe misses the playoffs. They certainly don't go to an ACC championship game. So at 25-1, to they get Syracuse coming in the third week of the year. That's good value in the ACC. Wisconsin's my pick to win the Big Ten West. They're 15-1 to to win the conference, so if they can get there and play Ohio State or Michigan State or Michigan or Penn State, you know, 15 times, if they played them, they're going to win at least two of those games, which means the odds are in your favor if they get to that Big Ten title game. Baylor, I love Baylor at 17-1 in the Big 12. I love, if you look at their schedule, their toughest game outside of Iowa State in September happened in mid to late November. I feel like Baylor is going to go into the stretch run of the season close to the top 15 with a chance that they can beat Texas and or Oklahoma of getting to Arlington and competing for a conference title. Pac-12, 
I have some thoughts on this conference. I think it's pretty crazy. I think this is the one where I'm just yeah. I think you're going to watch a lot of more chaos than the other conferences happen. Yeah, it might be true, especially when you just look at you know the North has three legitimate contenders, and the South. Oh, I I say three, but Washington State is preseason ranked. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't put them this year as a legit contender. And then in the South. I kind of think outside of Colorado, you can't really count out anybody. So it's a pretty wide open. I would but, lean towards if I had to take any long shot and it's barely one, I would go USC. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to win it, but they by far have the most talent if you just look at recruiting. And if somehow, some we'll way. We'll see how they, they start the season. Down. We'll see how they start the season. But, yeah, if they, but if home, they get on a roll yeah, at they, home, good. Uh, and that's part of it yeah. too, Kent. I don't think many of these teams, what makes it so open and unpredictable is – a lot of these teams don't protect home field that well. So there's oh, a lot exactly. of upsets yeah, at well, home, and there's a lot good. of road dogs that come in and win games, and it's probably the conference where you could say that the most top to bottom. And one team who I picked to win the Pac-12 this year that I think, you know, they're right there. It's either Washington or Utah or, or Utah or, or Oregon. I have Utah winning mm. the Pac-12 this year. I like but it. I would be very, I would be very weary, not this week, week one next week they play a thursday night game in provo yeah. against byu oh man i i think i forget what exactly what that line is but i'm pretty confident i'll be taking the points in that one and taking byu because that game always seems to be closer than expected and for, for byu that's their biggest game of the year i mean you talk about a team with another brutal schedule they play that whole deal about being an independent and they front load their schedule every year so when you look at you know the the BYU and Utah game next Thursday it's a five point line I yeah I feel pretty good about BYU playing them pretty close in that game but for the Pac-12 you're right I mean if it's Herm if it's Chip Kelly if somehow Helton turns it around uh it remains to be seen I would actually rule out Arizona too I don't think Arizona has what it takes to win that division but who knows? I mean, Khalil Tate in any one game could win pretty much single-handedly like he did two years ago where he averaged, what did he have, 1,300 rush yards in four games, <laughs> yeah. which was the, the most in Pac-12 history, and he was a quarterback. So he has a chance to put up some special numbers as well. Well, you keep pointing out that Utah-BYU game. That's going to be a very uh, pent-up crowd, to say the least. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, before we kind of wrap this up, thoughts on uh, another friend of the program squad, Tom Herman and uh, number 10 Texas. Are they going to be back this year? Well, according to Sam Ellinger, they're already back. I'm going to say no. I actually think that week so week two for them, which is the uh, early September, I feel pretty, not pretty good, but I, I right now I lean towards saying LSU will go into Austin, Texas and beat the Longhorns. And they have a tough schedule. I mean, the Big 12 this year, I think, will be better than expected. There's actually one bet I do like a lot, because I don't know if you were going to touch upon Heisman, but DeAndre Swift at 35-1 to 1 for a Heisman sleeper. I was going to – I had him in, I had him in my original rankings yeah, outside my top 10. Yeah. We're talking about Texas. I'm going to touch upon it. Okay, okay. Yeah, with <laughs> Texas – yeah, I just – I, I, I'll say this. I think Texas is more likely to be 8-4 and four than they are 10-2. and two. So – I, I don't buy into them this year. That's not to say they can't get to a Big 12 title game, but no. To me, in order for Texas to be back, they have to at minimum win their conference. 
probably make the playoffs, and I'd be pretty surprised this year if either of those happened. Yeah, I. I <laughs> what are they more likely to be? That's a fun question. Um, I would probably split the difference and say nine and three sounds about right for this team. Texas always blows one game. Usually, it's against Oklahoma State or, or a team like that. But they're very good at not taking care of business against the teams they should be in the Big Twelve. They want to firmly establish themselves. So we'll see. I mean, they beat Georgia last year in the bowl game. I know it's bowl season. It's a little different, but a lot to be discussed there with our buddy Tom Herman. Uh, yeah. You know, okay, cool. Hook them down south. Uh, Heisman bets for uh, before we wrap this up, Kent. Uh, we know who the top are. It looks like Tua and Lawrence are, are runaway favorites so far. And I'm looking at the odds. You see Fields, Hurts, even some love for Adrian Martinez from Nebraska. Any of those longer shots from Herbert Ellinger or, or somebody else that stands out? Well, there are like a group of quarterbacks. This was brought up on my podcast I do with my buddy David Capel, the college football experience, where we discussed my preseason Heisman, and I kind of had the following quarterbacks bunched up together. But And he brought up a good point. He said, so much about those guys are going to be predicated on can they get to the playoff? Because if you look at it, Herbert Ellinger, Ian Book, Adrian Martinez, Jacob Eason, those type of guys, if any of their teams make the playoff, you can maybe see them getting an invite to New York, being a guy that's in the Heisman discussion. But if their teams go 9-3 and three or 8-4, and four, it's not happening. Adrian Martinez is intriguing because he's going to have a big stage game in late September at home against Ohio State where it will probably be undefeated against undefeated. And if he can go and win that game and establish himself, I think the media is going to want to have a narrative of Nebraska being back and Adrian Martinez being the savior. Ian Book, he's a guy who I think is certainly a good college quarterback. It's hard for me to think Ian Book's going to end up being anywhere near a Heisman finalist just because I don't think he quite has you know, I don't look at him the same way I look at Lawrence, Tua Tagovailoa, Jake Fromm, Justin Herbert, those type of guys. But I could see him being like, if he upsets Georgia in September and then followed up with a USC and Michigan win, he can go into November in the mix. Yeah. But I don't think he'll put up the stats that really end up that way. Ellinger can, and the one thing about Ellinger that's underrated. Now, I just talked, I talked Texas down as a team that might only win nine games or eight games. But the one thing he has going for him is when they get near the red zone, he's their runner. I think he had 16 rushing touchdowns last year. He's a guy who they trust in the red zone almost as much to run as pass. And when you look at a lot of these other quarterbacks, there's not a lot of them maybe outside of Jalen Hurts and potentially Justin Fields because he's a wild card. We just haven't seen it. There's not a lot of those guys that are going to be running in the red zone. Adrian Martinez would be another one. So for Mm -hmm. Ellinger, stats-wise, if Texas ends up in the playoffs and they're a one-loss or undefeated Big 12 champion, I can almost guarantee that Ellinger's in New York as a Heisman finalist. But if I go a long shot, I mentioned again, you know, I do like DeAndre Swift. I added the 35-1. to 1. I don't know if you're looking at it right now. What's DeAndre Swift's current number? Let's see. Right now, it's in that range. It hasn't really moved much. Let me see. DeAndre Swift is, yeah, I've seen about 40. So it has gone down a little bit, at least. It's different on my site. Um, yeah, he's excellent. And I've watched, you know, like the last few weeks, I've watched more and more Georgia games and highlights and film. And he is one running back. If he gets an open space, good luck trying to get him one-on-one yeah. as a safety or a corner or a linebacker. 
you need to gang tackle, you need to get him down. And as good as Jake Fromm is, it still runs through the offensive line yeah. and the running game. Georgia's offense is not the type of offense. If they're throwing it 50 times in a game, that's a really bad sign for Georgia. That's not how they want to play. So I look at DeAndre Swift this year. There's no longer Elijah Holifield. There's no longer a couple years ago with Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle. Now there is Delvin Cook's younger brother that's there. He'll get some touches. But realistically, Delvin, I look at DeAndre Swift, he's probably getting 25 to 30 touches in a lot of these games especially the big national games when they go up against Florida, they go up against Auburn, they go up against Notre mm-hmm. Dame, they potentially play Alabama. He's going to be the, the focal point of that offense. And if he's the star and they win all those games and they go into the playoff number one or number two, that 35 to 40 to one is looking pretty good at that point. Yeah, it would. And I love Martinez too. We can just keep switching off Texas and Nebraska being back every five yeah. years. And also let's be real. There's a reason Tua and Trevor Lawrence are one and two. They should be. Right. It's probably going to be one of those two that win it. Those are my preseason number one and two. But the odds aren't as fun. When you're taking odds for Heisman, you want to try to find guys that are 10 to one at least. Yeah. And this year, chances are it will be probably Tua Tungavailoa or Trevor Lawrence. But it's not as fun to bet that. No love for uh, about J.K. Dobbins? Any chance? I have Dobbins 18th on my preseason okay. list. I had him higher last year. I think he'll have a good year, but I feel like for Ohio State, it kind of comes and goes with Justin Fields, meaning if, you know, he's the guy. I mean, look at Haskins last year was a Heisman finalist. Uh, 50 touchdown passes, broke Drew Brees' Big Ten record. I don't think Fields will have that many passing touchdowns, but as a dual threat guy, yeah. he can certainly put together some big numbers. I just don't know if Dobbins will quite get enough touches to justify you know, being end up anywhere close. Like in terms of my top running backs, I like Swift a lot. Jonathan Taylor, Travis Etienne. What about uh, what about my boy I, out in Utah? No, no, I, I no. don't think Zach okay. Moss. Yeah, I don't no. think Utah has a Utah's one of those teams. There's a lot of twenty-one seventeen sort of wins. There's not a lot of forty-seven forty sort of wins, which is what I think you need. And also, Utah has a pretty good quarterback as well, meaning like. They're not going to rush it 60, 50 times. And then the one guy I love in terms of just he's fun to watch, and you're Ohio State Buckeye saw it firsthand last year, Rondell Moore. I love him. I don't think Purdue as a team will be that good this year. But if you're just looking for one electric player that might put up so many big numbers that he ends up being in the mix, Rondell Moore could be that guy because he's awesome. I like uh, another guy right. here out west, LaVisca Chenault, like that at Colorado where there's probably not a better overall complete receiver in the country when you throw in just everything he does. But the difference is, will he put up enough numbers on a team that might only win four or five games? I'm not sure that will really help in the long term. Yeah, I mean, you could say that with Jerry Judy, too. I mean, I think he's going to beast out, but then Tua gets all those passing touchdowns. So. Right. Fun to say. I know she didn't say noted non-captain Shea Patterson. <laughs> <laughs> No, I have Patterson 16th, but yeah, it's interesting. Uh, senior quarterback transfer from Ole Miss last year. Not a captain, which, it, you know, not that it means yeah, everything. You know, but it's just it's like, worth pointing out. Yeah, it's worth pointing out. You know, it, it's it's like, you know, when uh, Coach uh, Coach O'Ryan took Charlie Conway, see? You know, just something to think about. Also, I'm very excited about that week two game. Michigan hosting Army. Michigan's defense lost 
you know, their best edge rushers in Rashawn Gary and Chase Winovich, their best linebacker in Devin Bush, their best cornerback. Well, now you have to go and get focused and play a triple option team who is used to winning, who finished in the top 25 last year in Army. That will be a fun game. If that game's close in the third or fourth quarter, oh, yeah. I think we're all going to be together. That's the day we might get over our buddy's place and watch the game there. I'll be very interested in seeing how Michigan performs. I think they're going to score against Army, but it's like Oklahoma last year or when Notre Dame played those really good Navy teams. You might only get seven possessions. You might only get six possessions, and if that happens, you better score every time you get the ball. Army's fine playing that type of game. Uh If you're Michigan with this new offense, I mean, you saw this. Even Ohio State years ago played Navy, and they beat them, but it was a pretty tough game for the most part. And so with with Shea Patterson, he's going to have – look, he'll have chances. If he's the guy and they're not doing any sort of split with with Dylan McCaffrey, he has Notre Dame out of conference. He has Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan State in conference. He has Wisconsin as a crossover game plus a Big Ten title game. He'll have more than enough opportunities. I just I don't think he ends up in that mix. Well, we'll see. Michigan Army, the game, and we'll finally see how much Jim Harbaugh likes the troops. Just saying. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Kent, this was fun. Appreciate you coming on and uh, talking betting. We'll try to do this again going forward for sure. And an apology to you. I really did think you owned the building on 99 Franklin Street. Yeah, just make sure you tell Kirkpatrick, um, you know, hopefully his stomach uh, aches go away and that soon enough we can (laughs) reconcile. And, uh, you know, I'd love, I would absolutely love to go and see a nice, a nice play over at the Playhouse for sure. It'd be good. It would be. And I still wonder why you, why you didn't destroy the uh, Sean Connery photo, but we'll save that for another episode. Uh, Kent Brown on the Money Mitch Effect. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Our huge thanks to Kent Brown for coming on the Money Mitch Effect previewing week zero. He's a big Miami guy. He'll be locked in as I will, and I hope all of you will, on the start of football season. We are here, and I cannot wait for that. Next up, Joe Crisali. Talk to him. He's relocated to Seattle, but he's still a baseball fan and a Yankee fan, unfortunately, at that. We talk about the MLB season, what predictions he got right and wrong going into the regular season, who's looking good for a prime stretch run, all that and more, as well as some football Antonio Brown talk as well. Raiders are entertaining and hard knock, gotta say. We dive into all that. It's Joe Crisali now on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, now on the Money Mitch Effect, you know him as a jack of all sports trades. My buddy calling in from Northern West USA, Joe Crisali. Joe, thanks for joining the show. What up from the Northwest? Yeah, yeah, it's it's early for us, man. I mean, we we've recorded at all times of day, but we're we're doing uh, something a little in the morning now because I got to get your thoughts on some baseball. Um, well, the first thing I want to do, actually, and I didn't tell you I was going to do this, but I want to revisit some. Uh, I think it's an iconic thing; it's an annual thing. But your annual picks every time on Facebook, you like to kind of get the get everybody into a frenzy, but just tweeting out and putting out bold predictions. I have yeah, to yeah. say, Joe, though, you actually did a pretty good job this year. Of all the years to talk to you about this, I was looking at them today, <laughs> and they're pretty they're pretty solid. But but you do have to address one thing, the Los Angeles Dodgers. 
Yep, I do. And the Rockies. That was the NLS was definitely my downfall. And look, I was just thinking that you know, after all this time, I was kind of not. I wasn't hoping. I was just thinking that the Dodgers had to regress at some point, but definitely is not this year. You know, everybody gets one bad pick and one bad division where they completely whiff on. So it's understandable, and I know it, it just looks worse than it is because the Dodgers have been so good this year that we are thinking that eventually things run their course. I mean, look at the NFL and the New England Patriots for that example. But, yeah, that NOS is looking a little rough. Not that the Dodgers were, were that bad, but uh, that you had them that bad. 85 and 77 was what you thought. I think they're going to do a little better than that. But the Rockies, <laughs> the Rockies are just uh, are just not good. That whole division as a whole is pretty south. And it is interesting for me, of all the MLB storylines, and we're both supporters of AL teams, but the Dodgers are just running away with the NL in the regular season. It would be a massive upset if they didn't get to the World Series as it's currently constructed. Yet nobody in L.A. cares because they know after the last two years it's just World Series title or bust. Yeah, I mean, well, that's the thought with teams that are like them that are in the playoffs every single year feel bad for our buddy wit having to go through that a couple times in the last couple of years but uh i mean their team is so good and so as good. far as like the belly versus yelly mm-hmm. uh, that's it's been so fun to watch all year long who who really knew that bellinger was going to be this good like we knew he was a good player but he has just been unreal this year and they're getting contributions from everyone like doc peterson's having a great season AJ Pollock came back and he's been on fire since he's been back. Granted, he doesn't play every day, but now they're getting guys back. Now, like Kike Hernandez and Chris Taylor that weren't there before and when they were even on their winning streak. And they're getting guys that, like Will Smith, he came up and he wasn't even their top ranked prospect. Kiebert Ruiz is their top ranked catching prospect. And Will Smith comes up and they're like, yep, this is our new catcher. And he's just been raking and the team is just way too good. What is it, six and, straight And they years? got other guys on the way. They got other guys on the way, like Gavin Lux, who's hitting over 400 in AAA, which is absurd. He's a guy that they wouldn't move at the deadline for uh, Felipe Vasquez, a really pitcher from the Pirates, which, I mean, granted, the Dodgers' bullpen is, would, could be their downfall. But as far as the rest of their team goes, they're pretty solid. Yeah, they're matching themselves up against uh, against what necessarily would be the World Series. They're already comparing themselves, and rightfully so, a lot of the fans are, to how they would match up against certain AL contenders. It's been six years going on seven now of just running that division, which is <laughs> just truly remarkable. I do agree with you there's issues with the bullpen. The Belly-Yelly debate is pretty fun because it looks like now Yelich is oh. going to – I mean, the MVP is going to come down to the final week of the season, as it should be. Yelich yeah. is going to have a better average. It looks like Bellinger is going to probably have more RBIs. But home runs, I mean, that is a complete toss-up. Both over 40. We haven't even got to September. We're going to have two players potentially with 50 home runs in the NL, which is pretty fun. Yelich could be the first player in Major League history to hit 50 and steal 30. If he does that, he wins MVP hands down, right? You th- oh, I Wow. You know, I would say if he does that, that's when we got to look at team success. I know it's baseball, right, and it's not other sports, but if they don't have a lot of team success, like where are they now? Like three games back of the wild Brew card? Brew crew, three Brew crew, games back of the wild card. Does it matter if they make the playoffs? I mean, I only say that because the Dodgers are so good that, yeah, a guy like Mike Trout can tear it up, A-Rod back for the Rangers and win MVP. But if the Dodgers are the best of the standard bearer in baseball, certainly the NL, 
doesn't that matter yeah. something? Yeah, but do you think if you took Bellinger away from the Dodgers that they would not be as good of a team as they are? Yeah, that's if you true. Take the Yellow value Brewers debate. The Brewers, that's the value debate. Um, but what are we talking I mean, about I, now? Like an average team think... to a terrible team? Yeah, you're right. But like, if Bellinger's not on the Dodgers, they're feeling that too. Now they're still good. Yeah, no, but, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. But in comparison, you look at Milwaukee. If you take Yelich away from them, they're just as bad as the Rockies. But if you take Bellinger away, they're probably still winning that division. Yeah. But, I mean, Bellinger has been awesome. And uh, it's, they're so fun to watch them. They've been literally trading home runs like every night. It's like, up, oh, Kelly's got 41. Up, oh, Yelich has 42. Who's gonna Who's gonna win this? It's been really fun to watch. It and they're is. both like, you really want to see Yelich in the playoffs and maybe face off with Bellinger, but the chances of that happening are very slim. As far as Milwaukee's pitching staff just is not good, and their bullpen is not good. And they haven't gotten contributions out of guys that they were getting out of last year, like Travis Shaw. He's, what, hitting like 180. I don't know. He just hasn't been great. But, I mean, Milwaukee, they're like you said, they're only three games back of the wild card. But Washington has been surging. They're leading the wild card right now. And the Mets have been surging. Sorry about that. <laughs> and yeah. the Phillies. What? Who trusts in the Phillies? I mean, Bryce Harper has been pretty good lately, but he doesn't look like the guy that, should have been paid as much money as he was. I've been saying for the longest time that he's one of the most overrated players in the league, but um, <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. Well, I, I want to also bring up you know, Bellinger looking amazing. Kind of crazy that uh, an analytical staff said, yeah, let's not start him in the World Series because the matchups don't well. favor. But that's another debate. Uh, fun fact about Will Smith who you brought up. He was a compensatory draft pick when they lost that Granky way back when. So it's just funny how things yep. have been working out for the Dodgers, right? I mean, it's just insane. Um, as far as the Brewers in that Central Division, the NL, and really the NL as a whole, Joe, uh, the Braves being the team, kind of look like you're going to miss that one in the NL East. Uh, look like they're clearly, clearly Which the I'm team. really mad about. I'm really <laughs> mad about that one because I I was always high on the Braves. I just you don't were. know who I put in there. Who would I have, the Mets? You had, Nationals, Mets. You, had, you had Nationals, Mets, yeah, 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 and yeah. you had uh, you had both those teams making it. Yeah, so I mean, the Mets could swing it around and make me look good, but I'm not mad about Atlanta being in it. Their team is so good. The young studs, they got a Cunin Jr. He's just ridiculous. He could be 30-30. Uh, Albies has been awesome. They got Freeman slotted in there. Their pitching staff is is ridiculous. Mike Soroka, the rookie pitcher, has been awesome. Un- unreal, yeah. Dude, Dude had like a 1.2 ERA for the longest time after his last couple starts. And they've, they're just getting contributions out of all their young stars. If you look at if you compare them to the Dodgers, right? The Dodgers we talked about, guys like Will Smith. Uh-huh. The, the Braves, they, when they brought up Austin Riley, their top uh, third base prospect, he was raking. Granted, he's hurt now. He's got a bum knee, but he should be back soon. And then they're, they're just getting a lot, of, a lot of good play out of their, their young talent. Yeah, second most runs in the NL, and, and as you said, I mean, I, I think that making the playoffs last year and going up against a team like the Dodgers really helped them, and, and their learning curve is faster than I think some of us believed. I just think if you go to the Central and, and, and the rest of the NL outside of the Braves, there isn't really any other great teams. It's why a team like the Mets can get hot and push for that wild card spot. 
the Nationals are a yeah. south. The Cubs are, are a great case study on how different teams can be home and away. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty insane <laughs> yeah, how bad they are on the road. Like, we're talking about a team at home that's 43-19. and 43-19. The Dodgers, for context, and has, are 84-44, and 44, and they're 50-16. and 16. I mean, they're right at Dodger-level win percentage. But you take them on the road, and they're 14 games under five hundred. Yeah, I mean, you can say the same thing about the Dodgers, but the Dodgers do have a, a, a above five hundred away. But the Dodgers are fifty and sixteen at home, thirty four and twenty eight away. And now I want to go back to what you said about the run differential. So the Braves have the number two run differential, in, or the number two most scored runs in the National League this year. The Dodgers are number one. What do you think they're? their differential is the Braves is plus 71 <laughs> I saw it and uh, yeah Dodgers, it's over 200 Dodgers, <laughs> the Dodgers differential is plus 224 the next closest team is 88 in the NL it's just ridiculous how good they have been like not only are they scoring a ton of runs and this year they've had how many walk-offs from how many different players they're like yeah we'll take Russell Martin from the Blue Jays just so we have him as a backup it was like the first week he was in there and he hit a walk-off. Like, consecutive nights. I think Will Smith had the one the night before. The Dodgers have just been unreal this year. Uh-oh. Dodgers-Yankees would be a dope series. I'll just say that. Oh, yeah, he's still looking ahead. Uh, there's, one, <laughs> there's one other team I wanted to mention. I mean, we talked Brewers and the NL East and, 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 and then the rest of the NLS teams. But in the Central, the Cardinals, they were a team you were high on. I think you had them preseason going to the World Series. <laughs> It's been yeah, up and yeah. down. Their bullpen's been letting them down recently, but they're still just a half game out of that division. So I would say going down the stretch yeah. to make the playoffs, I still feel somewhat solid that they're going to get in. I don't feel great about that pick. I, I really thought they were going to make a, a splash at the deadline. I thought they were going to make a move. They needed starting pitching. Trevor Bauer was being dangled out there. Um, I think I had thought that Kluber was going to go there, something like mm-hmm. that, but – I really thought they were going to do something, and they didn't. But I don't know why I thought they did. Because the Cardinals never really pull any big, crazy, massive trades like that, other than getting uh, Azuna from uh, the last year, two years ago. But I don't know. They they just have some players that are coming in now, breathing new life. Like they had sent down Harrison Bader uh, a month or so ago because he was hitting, I think, 195. And he was their starting center fielder to start the year. So they weren't getting the production out of the players that they were expected to get production from throughout the beginning of the year. But now they just brought him back up from AAA. He was hitting like 320-something, and he was playing really well. And in his first game, he he made a diving catch in center. He really, like, breathed new energy into the team, and they just looked like they were just feeding off of it. So hopefully they, they can turn it around there. I, them and the Cubs, I feel like they're, ne- they're neck and neck there now, but I feel like they are equivalent equivalent clubs so i'm not sure about st louis getting super far if they get in the playoffs but it's looking like if they want to get in they're going to have to win that division because mets are surging the phillies are surging and then who knows what the brewers could do so the cardinals really want to separate themselves they got to get ahead of the cubs i think that is more likely i'd actually be worried more about the brewers I, i just don't i don't trust the cubs right now they're gonna be bad on the road their bullpen's gonna blow some games look at last night as we record this their bullpen blew it twice. They still won, but uh, I don't know. I'm 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 out on that team. You hear the rumblings about Joe Madden not being there next year. It's it's messy in Chicago. But Joker Sally on the Money Mitch effect of the AL. It's pretty top heavy, as you know and are well aware. 
But I want to give some, uh, some what's the what's the opposite of props? I want to talk about three of the all-time worst teams that we've seen in the American League: the Royals, Orioles, and Tigers. Just give it up for them <laughs> for just being, I can't believe just the being Tigers free are wins. The Orioles. <laughs> just being automatic <laughs> wins for uh, for my Indians and your Yankees. So props to them. Yeah, I mean, in previous years, watching the Yankees play the Orioles was dreadful because the Yankees would lose just countless games to the Orioles when they play Little League Baseball out there. But this year, different story. Labor Torres, If Torres played against the Orioles like all the time, how many home runs would he finish? Like with 900 in his career? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I think over half his home runs are against the Orioles. He, I mean, and it's not just him. They they destroy them this year. They destroyed them this year, which is finally great to see because they don't always do that. Same same thing when they play the Blue Jays. Like the Blue Jays are just down there in the bottom too. So yeah, they're well, winning the games. Like, Yanks are winning the games against the teams that they should. Same with the Indians, which has kind of helped propel them to where they are now. Well, let's talk about your Yankees for a second because. You know, got to watch them play that four-game series, the split between the Indians and the Yankees. And obviously, we know what the strengths are. Lineup is dangerous, a lot of mashers. There's a good bullpen if you can get to it, but the starting has been questionable at times. With teams like the Astros that, I mean, I guess the Astros are the only other fair comparison right now that made a big move, got Granke, is really gearing up to make another run. I know you were very critical of the Yankees not doing anything at the deadline to to really address some of their needs. How do you feel about the Yankees going into this final month of the regular season? I mean, I feel pretty good. They're hot. They're getting good pitching out of guys that they weren't expected to get good pitching out of, like Domingo Herman. Guys got 16 wins this year. It's been absolutely amazing. Uh, Paxton's been garbage. I'll say it. Uh, Tanaka, he hasn't looked great, but he's one of the best pitchers towards the end of the season. I think his postseason ERA is like two-something, so I'm pretty confident with him. Um, CC, don't know what you're going to get out of him. Probably five innings, four and runs. That's usually what he does. And yeah, I was very critical about them not getting any of those starting pitchers at the deadline because the Astros, not just to compete with the Astros, but they know that they need to start pitching. So to hold on to a prospect like David Garcia, so the, the Blue Jays asked for David Garcia for Marcus Stroman. You hope that Davey Garcia turns into a Marcus Stroman-type pitcher. And Marcus Stroman is under team control for this year and next year. Mm-hmm. So, for on cheap. So, why hold on to a pitcher like Davey Garcia, who wasn't even a prospect before <laughs> this season? Granted, they probably, they obviously loved him, and they're like, he's untouchable, and you're not going to, they think he's going to be like some amazing pitcher. But I read a blurb yesterday that he's going to come up and pitch out of the bullpen. So, what was the point of it? Well, so, yeah. you have a glaring need for starting pitching. Jay Happ is not cutting it. He's absolutely nope. been terrible. You need somebody that can pitch there. Marcus Stroman has been amazing this year. So you, why hold on to a prospect like Dave, like David Garcia, who no one knew about before this season? I mean, people probably knew about him, but he wasn't like the Yankees' top prospect yeah. at all. He, I think he was ranked down like 15 or something. And you're holding on to him just in the hopes that in a couple of years he'll be good. Sure, he'll probably be really good. But do you want to win this season? If you want, if you really, really, really wanted to win this season, which they, I still think they will. You have you have to go get a pitcher like Marcus Stroman well, for that guy. Cause yeah. Why hold on to somebody when when you know you, you hope that he turns into that? You're right. Player. I mean, so it's, it a, it's a debate between because the Yankees are building towards a long run, 
But as we know, the window, I mean, look at the Dodgers, right? There's no guarantee. If you have a chance to go for it, being at near the top does not guarantee that one of the years it'll fall your way. So I understand your frustration where if you're a move away and you see your competitor really going for it, like the Astros, just oh, yeah. going for it, it as well. They didn't even have to give up. And then the fact that the Astros got cranky, they didn't even have to give up their yeah. top prospects. Are you uh, him? Well, and, I was just gonna say, are you worried about? Uh, there's another. There's another worry here, and that's uh, this uh, series in Oakland. You know, the Yankees' record is in uh, the Oakland Coliseum the last six, seven years. It's not good. So the teams that give me the teams that give me worry are the A's and your Indians. I, I, I mean, obviously the Astros, but yeah, yeah those course. two. Let's wildcard teams right now. I, I'm not worried about that against Tampa Bay, even though Tampa Bay at the beginning of the year was mm-hmm. looking really good. Tampa Bay's tied with Oakland right now. And the Yankees handled Oakland last year, but um, your your Indians and those days, they always seem to somehow right. give Yankees a fit. Like, it doesn't matter who they got out there. If they're in there, it just seems like it's always a problem. Like, when the, when they played the A's and they had Jermaine die, Derek Jeter oh had to make God. that amazing play. So, like... Yeah. You know? I was waiting for you to bring that up. Uh, seven and sixteen That's is a the great record. Play. That's a it great is play. a great play. Seven and sixteen is the record for the Yankees in the Coliseum with the loss again last night. Giambi, yeah. Um, that but, was a Dickens I mean, obviously, we know how good the Yankees are. I would say, just as an Indians fan, as another fan of a team in the AL that's on the the next tier, the Astros are a team that I would consider, all due respect, a little more dangerous because that pitching just absolutely scares me. I mean, they scared me before they got. Uh, Granky, but you had Granky, Morton, Verlander, and Cole, and it's just insane. You know, I mean, Wade Miley, I should say, was the other one. He's he's disgusting. Too, yeah, so. Morton's on Tampa Bay. Yeah, so I mean, it, it's it, it's crazy, but I do think. And then uh, uh, what really pisses me off, I never thought I would think that there's a team outside of Yankees, Red Sox that I hate maybe more, but then you add the fact that a lot of the Astro players are just so unlikable. Brantley was our boy. Now he's leading the MLB in batting average. I'm I'm at a loss right now. Uh, I really am. I I do. Yeah, think... but you got Puig, your friend. <laughs> hey, we'll talk about the Indians right now I because love Puig's Puig. doing great. Indians. He's winning over the team. Uh, he's winning over the city. The tribe's been struggling recently. It's going to be a battle down the stretch. I still don't think the Twins are that good, but the schedule is not our friend down the stretch compared. You don't think the Twins are that good? Twins are amazing. Uh, they're good. Okay. Uh, that was an overreaction. I'm obviously comparing them to the upper, upper echelon. Like, they're not in the tier of Yankees and Astros. So if the Indians got, I mean, it would never happen the way that, the, that it's brought up with the schedule, but if the Indians got in a series with the Twins, obviously I'd feel way more confident than going up against the Yankees or the Astros. That said. Yeah, that's fair. That said, the Indians have a major problem. It's a similar issue that the Yankees are facing. It's hard to bring a starting pitching. It's hard to bring a starting pitcher back in September and have them ready for the postseason. We saw it last year with Bauer, Kluber. I, I just I, I can't really trust that he's going to be ready to go. He struggled at the beginning of this year as well before he got hurt. And similar with what the Yankees are going through. I mean, it's almost. And I heard a, I heard a former pitcher say this. It's almost like you're starting for back in spring training when you come back from a long injury. You can't just throw a pitcher like is. a positional player and expect them to dominate. Yeah, and you saw the beginning of this season, all pitchers were just garbage. Mm-hmm. Other than, obviously, the Astros pitchers, because they're amazing for some reason. But beginning of the season, you're kind of scratching your head. Like, you're looking at James, guys like James Paxton, who still hasn't figured it out to this point. But the guys that you're expecting to be, you know, pretty good to, be, to start the year have just, 
really come out of the gate sucking. And the same thing with Kluber with the Yankees. They got Severino coming back. So maybe the Indians do what the Yankees are probably going to do with Severino. Start him and not let him throw a full six, seven innings. Maybe he'll come in and be like an opener type pitcher, throw two, three innings, or come out of the bullpen and be like a bulk reliever. It's not ideal from your quote-unquote ace pitcher, but mm. if they can get some kind of production out of, if the Indians can get some kind of production out of Kluver, Yankees can get, get some out of Severino, it might not be too bad. I mean, it kind of sucks because you're like, yeah, that's my ace pitcher. I really want to throw them out there game one, but it's not going to go that way. But I look at you. You got Shane Bieber. That dude is an ace for you. He is. All-star game MVP. He, he's looking real good. Hey, friend of the program, Shane Bieber, so just want to let everybody out there know. I mean, you could do good things if you come on this show. Uh, <laughs> I will, I'll give you props, though, because you call Twins over Indians. We'll see what happens, but that would be a good prediction on your part if that holds up. Uh, the AL West the, was the last division. I mean, everyone said Astros, but I know you had Angels up there. I just, I just feel sad for Mike Trout now because we're watching one of the greatest players of all time in his prime, and he's had one postseason series, and they got swept by the Royals. Yeah, that, I mean, that Angels pick there was a, come on, they got to figure it out with Mike Trout at some point pick. Oh, God. But, I mean, what what can you say? They they're, One of their best pitchers died this year, yeah. Tyler Skagg, RIP. Mm-hmm. And then Heaney's been their best pitcher, and he's got a fourth five ERA. He was on the IL for forever. They're just mixing and matching, and they don't really have anything around Trout. They paid Justin Upton a, a ton of money, and... Otani, where has he been? You know, he's when he plays, he's great. But when does he play? Right. So, yeah, it, it's it's not. It's really it's hard. Not they ideal. have the they have the talent. They have the talent. They have like the good players that they need. They just don't have the other complementary players to go and and win more ball games, which kind of sucks. Because yeah, Trout's. I mean, what did he sign that four hundred bajillion dollar deal? So he's stuck there. So until they figure it out, he's just gonna, we're not going to get to watch him in the playoffs, which is a drag. He chose it, though. I mean, he signed up for it. So I, I don't – I mean, obviously not going to feel sympathy for people that are making that kind of money. But I do think that <laughs> yeah, it's unfortunate for us baseball fans that we just don't get to see him in the playoffs. Like That's what, I, what I'd like to do. Uh, I do want to – the one last thing I was going to say about this, and we'll wrap up the baseball talk here, is – I'm glad that, you know, after after being there for a year and being bullish, you backed away from that Mariners pick of last year because they are not a good team. It was Hey, last year they were looking pretty good for most of the year and until the end when they kind of yeah. tapered off. Yeah, yeah so I, I, that, that wasn't too bad. But, no, this year, yeah, like I'm upset that I even predicted them to win 70, what is it, 74 games. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so they need 20 wins. But, hey, if you look if you look at their schedule for the rest of the season, they play the Reds, the White Sox, the Pirates, and the Orioles. Uh-oh. I think that's – how many games is that? One, two, three, four. 12 games – 13 games they play those teams. So if they win a couple others, you never know. They could get it, but I doubt it because they are terrible. <laughs> They're but not good. Uh. I, you, you, you like to give me flack for my – for my picks because of that year I had the Indians what I have them at the bottom of the division and they won the division they went to like the ALCS or something I had what was it two years ago was it two years ago three years ago when the Astros played the Dodgers in the World Series yeah you had that one I had that I will I will take that to the grave I had the right teams in the World Series in the 
in the right amount of games with the team winning. Like, I, why did I not put money on that? It's going to haunt me forever. Because you never know what kind of year you're going to have. That's the beauty of predictions. You'll put, you put money on one. It could be a, a flame out year like 16. But yeah, you bounce back in 2017. You nailed it. So this year was solid. I'd give you a B on your predictions. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, the best, obviously, like a couple years ago, but it was solid. So. I think yeah. the Dodger pick. The, I don't know if you're welcome really... back here, though. I don't. I don't think you're. You got to wait a couple months to come back to LA. <laughs> I mean, I think I was there. I was there for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was definitely there for that. I mean, picking you kicked the Dodgers, me out. It wasn't. It wasn't anything else. Picking the Dodgers not to go to the playoffs this year. I mean, you got to kind of let that breathe a little bit. But no, otherwise, otherwise, some good picks. Hey, Joe. Before I let you go, I got to get your thoughts on the NFL season coming up. What do you, what's your take in this Antonio Brown mess? Because I think it's clear now oh that God. everyone knows he's crazy. But just where where do you draw the line with this guy, the helmet grievance, the cryo chamber nightmare? Where do you draw the line with what Antonio Brown's doing? So <laughs> the Raiders are just, they're a circus. And they just got a bunch of clowns walking around. Him and Gruden. I mean, they're all matches made in heaven. Incognito. <laughs> Incognito all, like, and Brown are like best friends. That shouldn't be allowed yeah, so, in society. <laughs> yeah, so they're all there. I mean, Brown has just been ridiculous. So when, when I first read that he wasn't practicing because he wanted to wear a specific helmet, I was, I was like, where, like, where do you get off, man? Like, you're making so much money. And you first of all, first off, I thought it was just his foot issue that he wasn't playing, but then. You saw his feet on hard knocks, right? That was disgusting. It was like an envelope of skin. It was gross. And then he wants to wear the helmet. And then they had a shot of him walking off the field without a helmet on because he didn't want to wear the helmet. Like what? The, the whole point of you wearing a league-regulated helmet is for your own safety. Like, <laughs> I couldn't play football. You guys would demolish me. Like, do you not want to be safe on the field? I don't understand. Like, you think you're that much better than everyone else. That you're he not prone to concussions and head injuries and CTE and all that stuff. Like the, the league, granted, I don't agree with the league on a lot of things, but they're just looking out for you, like they are everyone else. They made Tom Brady change his helmet. You see Tom Brady's post after yeah. Brown was complaining about the helmet he was wearing, and he's like, "Oh, I guess they didn't like the helmets up in New England because they they win all the freaking time." But yeah, I, see, I, I had Brown on my fantasy team for uh, one of the uh, keeper leagues like GM-ish type leagues I do with Jermaine, and uh, I yeah. let him go. I mean, I talk with him all the time about how much of a clown he is. He cannot stand him. And he, he he deserves to be on the Raiders because they're clowns. I don't think that winning a title means that much to him. Like, I think he's going to, when he does play, he'll he'll try to ball out, you know, to improve his brand and, and, and put up numbers, but... Yeah, what a complete circus it is. It's entertaining though. The show's uh the show's funny about, to make it about him. Uh but man Think just, about how how great the Steelers must feel. They're just like wiping their hands yeah. clean right now. They're sitting in the front office like we dodged a bullet there. <laughs> I hate to see them enjoy themselves, but yeah, obviously they are. Dude, they dodged two bullets, man. Le'Veon Bell. Oh god. Out of the whole season. Antonio Brown. Like what are what's with the players and it's like is there something going on in that locker room is there something that the coaches are saying that the GMs are saying to the players I don't know Ben Roethlisberger maybe I don't, it could be him 
I don't could know. Be. Could be. But well, I just don't. I don't like the Steelers either. <laughs> I'll leave you with this. I'm. Uh, you're not on it yet, but I'm making a list of people doubting the Browns this year. So nothing to worry about. I'm not, on, I'm not I, a Browns doubter. I know. I know. They're, they're, we're not saying. Like, I'm, I, I I'm realistic. I mean, I'm realistic. I haven't done a super yeah. deep dive in. I haven't done a super deep dive in of uh, like NFL predictions and stuff yet, but the Browns will be up there. I. I think their biggest competition will honestly be the Ravens. I don't believe in the Steelers. I I don't know. Uh, I, the yeah, Bengals I, are going to be one of the worst Bengals teams in the NFL. Suck, yeah. I think the Steelers, like you said, not having Brown there, they might actually be better. There might be better chemistry in there. But Ravens, it depends. I mean, that it's going to be a toss-up. And I'm realistic. I'm not expecting, like, Super Bowl contention out of the gate. You know, 10-11 wins, possible. <laughs> you know, it's. 11 wins, whatever, you know, Patriots said 11 wins, but you know, yeah. <laughs> well, I, yeah, they're on a different <laughs> curve, come on. But, uh, I yeah. will say, I will say you have some, not Browns fans, but you have some Browns supporters. You have one in my household Yeah. that oh, yeah. is a supporter of your squad, because That's true. for what reason, I don't know, but yeah, what was she's that? on your side. Baker, maybe? I don't, I don't know, but I know one of you was happy Could in uh, Denver last year, and it wasn't you, so... <laughs> Yeah, I can't. I went to yeah, a game, and they were selling brown stuff. Like she was like, "Oh, let me get this Baker Mayfield shirt," and then they were selling them outside the Broncos game at the stadium. Baker Mayfield T-shirts and brown hats. Uh, brought a tear to All my right. eye. There you go. A tear to my eye. All right, Joe Crisali, this was fun. We'll be catching up soon. Enjoy, uh, enjoy the time in uh, Seattle, and get ready for football season. Get ready for maybe a re- revitalized Rangers season come hockey time. Oh, I'm ready, baby. I'm ready for that. I'm ready for football. I'm ready for that. I'm ready for baseball playoffs. I can't wait till what is it, October? October is the best September month. September, the best month of October the year. October is just oh yeah. Can't wait. And for hey, it. October. The worst part is I'm going to miss a little bit of it, but I'll be climbing Mount Kilimanjaro in uh-huh. Tanzania and doing a safari. So wow, you I'll play, be off the what, grid. What for flag a bit. you painting? Point. What flag are you planning at the top? Rangers, Yankees? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. Maybe I'll throw a Money Mitchell check up there. Do it. Yeah, just, you know, make sure. Any guests, could give me, you can put my number up there. They can just call in direct from Kilimanjaro. <laughs> you have Joe, to call from the top. <laughs> Joe Crisali. I'll do a podcast from up there. <laughs> we absolutely will. Joe, thanks again for coming on the show. All right, man. Sounds good. Thank you again to both Kent Brown and Joe Crisali for appearing on today's show. A reminder that you can catch every episode of The Money Mitch Effect on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Just search for Money Mitch Effect. It pops right up. Subscribe. Leave a rating or review. we got the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page, and I'm on Twitter, MoneyMitchM21. If you're a tennis fan, we got the U.S. Open podcast preview on The Money Mitch Effect. That'll be dropping next Monday. You can also go to Tennis.com. I produced a couple podcasts for the Network Tennis Channel, the U.S. Open preview with Steve Weissman. Men's and women's episodes are now up today. Make sure you check that out. we got all your tennis fixes, all your needs and notes as well. So check that out. Got a lot of sports coming up. Can't wait to watch. Can't wait to enjoy all the games. This was the Money Mitch Effect. I'm Mitch Michaels. Thanks again for listening. And remember, you got to enjoy sports. <laughs>